Praise God. Please take your Bibles and go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you based on the Scripture. Let the Scripture challenge you in a very practical way as to how we are to worship the Lord. And that I think uh, doesn't get enough emphasis in the church, in the body of Christ. And, uh, and it's very, very important that we, we do this and we look at the scriptures here in 1 Timothy 2.8. And then we read in verse 8, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray. So we're commanded to pray. We know that. There's a ton of commands to pray in the scripture. We're called to pray all the time. We're called to pray without ceasing. We're called to cry out to God earnestly from our hearts. We're called to, you know, deeply seek after him. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. I'm going to take the first part of this verse. We'll be looking at without wrath and dissension at another time because we'll talk about the hindrances of prayer I feel I want to do a whole message because I wanted to do a lot of practical messages in Timothy. And we just had a bunch of messages on God's grace and the, the bigness of God's grace. How huge, how beautiful, how deep, how profound his grace is, right? For all and all and so forth. And we did a few studies on that because Paul emphasizes it at the end of 1 Timothy 1 and through the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 2. The universality of his gracious offer the Bible says he has mercy over all of his works and he's concluded all under condemnation that he might have mercy on all. Of course, we have to s- seek him by faith and receive that grace and mercy, amen? It's offered all, but it's conditioned upon faith. And then he goes back contextually to what he began with in verse one. Go to verse one. First of all, then, I urge that what? Entreaties and what? Prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Then he gives us, and I gave you, 10 reasons. If you go back into chapter 1 and then through chapter 2, 10 reasons to motivate us to pray for everyone. That's what we looked at last time we were in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 10 motivations to really kick our prayer life into praying not just for ourselves or families, but everybody, amen? And I want you to draw draw your attention to the context again because he's talking about prayer. from chapter 2, verse 1 onward, and now he's saying, hey, we should be praying in where? Just in the shower? Everywhere. Everywhere. Lord expects us to talk to him all the time. And what a privilege it is, as the song says, to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Amen? You have a privilege that you can rely on the uncreated creator of all things who sees a little, little sparrow fall to the ground and cares very intensely about you and your own life, is very much present it's very present help in time of need, right? When it says he gives grace to the humble, it's not just talking about salvation in the Bible, but it talk, there's different ways that God pours out his grace. And one is to, to hold us up and to strengthen us, empower us when we're going through severe trials. But we need to cry out to him. We need to seek him. And we just talked about prayer some weeks back in verse 1. So I want to emphasize the things he says about prayer in every place. That means everywhere. I don't have to talk about that a lot. I just need to encourage you that there's some places you may pray and there's other places where you just don't think of it as a place of prayer until you're in some kind of trouble. But the Lord wants us, our minds to be transformed where we start thinking of every place as a place of prayer, amen? 
well, yeah, I pray when I go to church and I pray by my bedside when I go to bed or I pray at the kitchen table when I'm going to eat food. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a good start. But how about when you're driving? It's a great place to pray. It's a great place. I love praying in my car while I'm driving. You know, when you're going for a walk, great place to pray. Uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to pray, pray to, depending on what kind of work you do because you're busy with numbers or what have you, but you can always find your spots, amen? And you can always continue to pray. But he says he wants us also to pray lifting up holy hands. He wants us to pray, he says, lifting up holy hands. Now these aren't suggestions. This is the will of the Lord, amen? amen. Now, I don't know if you, hold, if you lift your hands or not because... You know, I don't look around and say who hold, lifts their hands up and who doesn't, you know. I just know that I want to lift my hands because the Lord commands me to when I praise him. And when I, when I pr pr praise the form of prayer, pra praise is simply uh, often when it takes the form of song, it's, it's prayer and song, you know. But when I'm praying or, or praising, I like to lift my hands. doesn't mean you always have to lift your hands because there's many different postures of prayer. There's clapping your hands, right? There's, you know, kneeling in prayer. But we see all of this in Scripture. And it's very, very important. But lifting up holy hands, this is controversial, believe it or not, in the church right now. Lifting hands. Some churches do it. Other churches don't do it. And some churches are against it. And some of you might be like, well, how could you be against it, you know? And, well, we're going to get into that a little bit because I want to do whatever God's Word says. Amen? Amen? Now, the hand is really, really amazing. The hand. Do you ever think about the hand? There's certain parts of the body that are just God's put a lot into, you know? And I know I'm going through my therapy with my shoulder right now, and I didn't realize how many things have to be right for your shoulder to work right. And the hand's also very, very impressively made. I have a book written by a scientist uh, from a creation viewpoint all about the hand and how it's the dexterity and, and how it's made and how it's just mind-boggling. What's the ingenuity of the human hand is, is absolutely incredible. A man by the name of Ronald Allen writes this about the hand. It is a human hand which beautifully typifies the human spirit. It is distinct from the hands of the lower animals in appearance and dexterity. Observe the hands of a skilled person, no matter the field, it's an amazing exhibition of genius or of, uh, or of our creative Lord. Think of the fingers of the typist, the seamstress, the potter, the painter, the violinist, the mechanic, the builder, the list could be endless. The hand allows the creative to be expressive. It can do much good or evil. The hand can be firm as a parent's spank or a firm grasp, and it can be gentle, stroking the hair or the face of a child or lover. Another writer writes this about the hand. Our hands speak loudly. When angry, we clench our fists, threatening harm to others. When guilty, we hide our hands or hold incriminating evidence from view. When uneasy, we sit on them to obscure our inner selves. When worried, we wring them. When afraid, we use them to cover our face or hold tightly to uh, someone for protection. When desperate or frustrated, we throw them wildly in the air, perhaps also in re resignation of dismay or dismay. When confused, we extend them in bewilderment. 
as if asking for advice and direction. When hospitable, we use them to warmly receive those in our presence. When suspicious, we use them to keep someone at bay or perhaps point an accusing finger in their direction. When Italian, no, it doesn't say when Italian. So just kind of add that part in. But it's kind of interesting. The human hand is quite amazing. Uh, and it's interesting too because when I was looking at the hand and thinking about that, it's interesting because when I was going through this like physical therapy for my shoulder, the physical therapist who has me doing all these weird contortions and stuff to get my arm working again the right way, uh, he said, he, I've been witnessing to him, sharing the gospel with him a little bit, you know, quite a bit actually. And, and, uh, but he said something interesting. He goes, do you know the human arm? He goes, it, the humans are the only ones that can throw accurately, you know, out of all the different species that exist. Human beings are the only ones that can throw, like, for instance, a ball accurately. I thought about that. I said, yeah, I know. I, said, I didn't know that. I said, but I know, because I know gorillas can throw. Have you ever had a gorilla throw something to you at you? You guys went through that, Eric? And Yeah, I went through that. They can throw hard, but they're not accurate. Amen. They just throw kind of in a general direction that you're at. You're just like, you can't throw very good, but you can throw. You know, I'm just glad there's a fence there. Uh, and they can throw over the fence or whatever. You can see the doo-doo or whatever they're throwing. It's pretty gross, actually. But, uh, but hands are meant to worship God. The Bible says that we're supposed to submit the instruments of our body, like our hands, to the service of God as his creation. He's the one who made us. Everything, you know, in the cosmos pretty much obeys God right down to the last atom, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything, except the human will and fallen angels. And, but we're called to be in subject to, subjection to God, and we're supposed to obey him. Now, we ought to be worshiping the Lord with our hands. And I thought, isn't it interesting? I've been working on this study. I probably worked on it at least, I don't know, four or five different times through the last year or two. Just going back to it in a knowing I'd eventually be doing a message on lifting hands. And one thing I was really surprised about was to find, because I've looked up all the references to lifting my, our hands in the scripture, and there's plenty of them. Amen. But there's far more than I realized. There's far more than you probably realize as well, because as I did this study, I started to realize that there are all kinds of verses in the Bible that could be translated lifting your hands that aren't translated lifting your hands. Because they translated very, uh, two different very interesting Hebrew words, which their root meaning is, and sometimes they're best translated, lifting hands. Uh, yada, Hebrew words in the Old Testament, and Tudah. Yada and Tudah. And both these have to do with lifting your hands stretching forth your hands. They're used over and over again in Scripture. And certainly uh, most of those references that I'm going to bring up can be easily translated, lifting your hands. And then I counted them up and I thought, wow, there's over a hundred times in the Scripture where the Scripture can be translated in regard to lifting your hands. Now, if you take out the ones that aren't normally translated that way, there's still scores of references to lifting your hands. There's a lot of references to lifting your hands in praise or blessing, extending your hands and using your hands in, in worship 
to God or in, definitely in service to God. Now, one professor of the Hebrew language wrote this. Listen to this, what this professor wrote. He's a professor of the Hebrew language. It goes, it goes all the way back to Genesis 20, uh, 29, 35. At least with Leah raising her hands to praise Yahweh in naming Judah. It's kind of interesting because Judah means praise. And as a biblical Hebrew professor thinking in Hebrew, I find the Old Testament full of hand raising because he's looking at the Hebrew. Yada, Tuda. After the most frequent verb for spoken uh, praise, Hallel. Hallel is the most repeated word he's pointing out. And you might have heard that, Hallel, and we speak of Hallelujah, right? The word most translated 53 times as praise is the verb Yada, okay? Derived from the word for hand, forearm, Yad. It's also translated 40 times as thank, 18 times as confess, Praise has always been demonstrated physically as well as verbally. Now, he's not even talking about Tudah right now. That's just yada. So he's saying when I read the Hebrew Old Testament, I'm seeing it everywhere, you know, lifting your hands, right, to the Lord. Praise has always been demonstrated physically as well as verbally. Even though often religiously repressed, and it is religiously repressed, I was worried of being branded as a heretic when I first tried it in my Baptist church. So he's in a Baptist church where they don't raise hands. By the way, that's not all Baptist church, but in his Baptist church, in many Baptist church, he slowly probably started lifting his hands, you know. I remember being in my, and I was going to a church that wasn't a Baptist church where they believed in the gifts and the power of God and so forth when I was a brand new Christian and I didn't know any Christians and I was getting to know Christians and I came into a, a worship uh, service and, and I was just like floored because, you know, I was 18 years old, and there were people, you know, probably 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 in that worship service, a youth night, and people were lifting their hands. And I was like, wow. And to me, it was beautiful, you know. Uh, that was a song that you just sang, Gerald, that last song you sang. That was a song we used to sing over there. It had some beautiful worship. And I remember uh, slowly lifting my hands up, like, I want to worship God, you know. And I was reading my Bible, and I knew it was right. And slowly my hands went up, you know. And, and I was like, what? I Just lift your hands up. And just praising him, the experience of praising him and lifting your hands to him. You know how the Bible says when they understood that Jesus was, you know, that the scriptures pertain to Jesus when he gave him a, a Bible study on the road to Damascus. And it says, and the, the disciples said to one another on the road to Damascus when they, Jesus, Jesus ministered to them, opened the scripture to them. He said, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And when I began to just magnify the Lord through praise and just surrender to him with my hands lifted up, praise and worship became even more beautiful to me to where it wasn't, didn't just become a big part of my prayer life, but a big part of my prayer slash praise life. And he says, I was worried of being branded as a heretic when I first tried it in my Baptist church because he's seen all over the Old Testament as a Hebrew scholar. So he starts lifting his hands, but it caught, caught on like it was the most natural way to express praise in the rest of the church. Once freed, the congregations I've been a part of haven't gone back to suppression. Good enough reason to get your hands up. So he's been part of other churches where he felt freedom and other people felt freedom, and those churches never went back. And the thing is, is it, to me, it's not what you're comfortable with as a church it's what the scriptures say. Now, as an individual, you know, you want to 
obey the Lord, and I'm not saying you always have to lift your hands during every praise song or most of them, or it's between you and the Lord ultimately how you express yourself in worship, but do make sure at times in your Christian walk, I would say everywhere, right? That's what the scriptures say, is that you are lifting your hands in praise to God. You know, a number of times, I'm being honest with you, a number of times throughout the day, I lift my hands in praise, in prayer, you know, when I'm working on messages, I lift my hands and say, I'll pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, please, you know, I don't want to ever be mechanical. I don't ever want to just be studious about it. I want to be passionate before the Lord and deliver messages where I cry out to him and say, please burn on my hearts things that will minister to my brothers and sisters so we can hallow your name, Lord God, so we can exalt you, so we can give you the praise that's due your name. Help me not miss things. Help me. I have to do that because guess what? I'm so imperfect as we are as human beings. And if I just try to go in my own strength, you know, the flesh profits nothing, the Bible says. Amen. So we need to cry out to God and seek him to be sensitive to the things of the Lord. King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, and the Psalms, by the way, is 150 chapters. And the New Testament cites the book of Psalms as part of our, our, our song book, you know. It's sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 150 chapters long. Christostom, the early church father, who they called Golden Throat because of his oratory uh, skills as a preacher, uh, you know, he, ex he exhorted people often to uh, sing the psalms and so forth and uh, stated that God had given us the book of psalms to keep us from the music of demons. Well, when we go to this book of songs, psalm is just a word that means song. When we go to the book of songs over and over again, it tells us to what? Lift our hands, man. Lift your hands. And do you realize how much, how much liberty there is in lifting your hands to the Lord? The things that you lift your hands about, over, crowd to God with, and how instrumental and how diverse our praise life is in regard to why we lift our hands. And so I've been getting those together for some time because I thought, wow, there's such a wide variety of expression, especially when I started looking up that word yada and toda, those, those words, and I thought, wow, there's places I never knew because if you're reading your Hebrew, your Old Testament in, in English, you'd miss a lot of those times where toda and yada, especially yada is used, where it could be easily translated, lift your hands. And then you see it far more frequently. So, but anyway, King David over and over again talks about lifting hands. In Psalm 63, 4, he says, what we do know is that the Bible, well, he says this, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. King Solomon, following his father's footsteps, King David, in 822 of 1 Kings, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. The prophet Ezra, we read about in Ezra 9.5, it says, he says, I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord. This should be normal for us as believers. Nehemiah 8.6 says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God of all the people, and answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. That's all the people now. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Wow. This should be a normal part of our Christian walk. Not just everywhere, but every day. Psalm 88.9 says, Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. When you're, when you're awake in the morning, and you're going to go to work or whatever, get your day going, just spread out your hands on your bed and talk to the Lord. 
Well, Joe, I sleep on my belly. Well, just roll over before you get up. And it's the easiest way to lift your hands, by the way, because you got some support back there. And just lift them up and just say the Lord's Prayer and other things that are in your heart or as you feel led to pray. Just start making the habit when you get up in the morning. Every day, but not just in bed, every place. I really, Father, please help us to get this. Uh, I've emphasized lifting hands in a number of messages through the years. Just did that recently in a men's retreat we had uh, with regard to spiritual warfare. Uh, in Job chapter 11, verse 13, it says, if you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands toward him. Interesting. Interesting. Now, it's controversial for sure. And the most important posture the Lord wants to see from you is not lifted hands, though it's important. Not kneeling, though that's important at times. The Bible talks about standing. Jesus said when you stand in prayer and you have something against somebody, forgive them so, so God, the Father can forgive you. So we can stand in prayer. We can kneel in prayer. We can lift our hands. We can clap our hands. We can, all these things are important as Christians. But it's sad to me that this would even be considered a controversial subject. Sometimes people just don't want to do things, so they try to get around them, even though they're just straightforward in the Bible over 100 times when you consider the Hebrew. And if you want to exclude several of those yadas and tudas, you're not going to exclude a ton of other scriptures that are just clearly translated regarding lifting our hands. And I thought, why in the world is this so controversial? Now, I know the Puritans, a lot of the early Calvinists, they had a really hard time with hand lifting and they were against it. So Puritan churches would not allow you to lift your hands. And I think it was in the 1770s, a risky Puritan church decided to lift their hands, you know, and then it caught on with some of the others as well. Uh, and there's people that are just, they go to the scripture and they let their traditions trump the Bible. They see what the scripture says. They say, ah, yeah, but you know, I think this. What? Uh, especially if our father in heaven, it means something to him. And he, I tell you what, I'm just being honest with you. I love it when my grandchildren lift their hands to me and they want me to extend my hands to them or they want to give me a hug or they want me to hold them it's so precious it's precious to your father in heaven when you lift your hands to him in obedience to what he's called you to and it breaks my heart it's serious i believe to tell people it's not important or you know it's not something you should actually do uh john MacArthur says is is he has a, a thing i didn't listen to it and I don't know exactly what he said, but I saw some things he wrote about it because it was a message. I didn't want to click on it, you know, because I had too much to do and stuff. But the main of the message, the subtitle was, Is Raising Hands During Worship Acceptable? What's wrong with that title? <laughs> is it, I just thought the title was just funny. Is Raising Hands During Worship Acceptable? I think he's asking the wrong question. I think the right question should be, is not lifting your hands during worship acceptable? Right? Because you see them lifting their hands during worship over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And I thought, and there's a lot of people who believe, okay, maybe you could lift your hands in prayer, but it's not something you should do while you're praising God. What? That's what a lot of people teach. You know? Well, and they'll, oh, they'll say no lifting hands at all at our church. It's, nope, can't do it. Really? What's the Bible say? 
I find this very disturbing, you guys, because Paul is telling them in verse one, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. And this is a general for all of us. Therefore, I want men, verse eight, in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So he destructs Christians in every place, lifting up holy hands and now they need to pray in each location that we find ourselves in. Homes, workplaces, cars, showers, you know, wherever. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. But on 1 Timothy 2.8, listen to this, okay? John MacArthur writes, and I'm not picking on John MacArthur. He's just very popular and he has some very strong views that a lot of people follow. And I believe they get caught up in traditions that hinder them at times from worshiping the Lord, understanding the scripture for what it says. And this is in case of our expressions of worship. And praise God, I would agree with John MacArthur and a lot of what they, is called strange fire, a lot of what's going on in charismania, right? And a lot of the charismatic movement with the new apostolic reformation and Bethel and Hillsong, and a lot of the weirdness going on out there, right? But guess what? When I see gays using the rainbow, I don't dislike the rainbow. I don't tell my grandchildren no rainbows. If I see people that lift hands but they're into some weirdness, I'm not going to let Satan have that. I'm going to continue to raise my hands and worship the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So MacArthur writes, the second half of 1 Timothy 2.8, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension, specifies how men are to pray. The emphasis there is not on lifting literal hands, but on offering worship and holiness. Really? There's no emphasis really on lifting the hands? They notice he says literal hands. So now the, the onus would be on him to prove that he doesn't mean literal hands. But I'll tell you what, guess what all the Jews had done during worship and the early church is mostly Jewish and Paul is Jewish, right? And... He's encouraging the lifting of hands. Do you think they said, oh, he can't be that literally? That's what the Jews did. In fact, did you know in the Christian catacombs, these are underground miles and miles and tens of miles of, of, of tunnels where Christians were burying their dead because the Romans would burn their dead, but Christians typically would bury their dead. And in the catacombs, there's all kinds of frescoes. There's all kinds of paintings, uh, uh, just murals. And I've been in those Roman catacombs seeing all these Christian graves, it's just amazing. And over and over again, it's depictions of the early Christians in the first, second, third century, or second, third century, and so forth, lifting their hands in worship to God. That was what they were doing in the early church. That's, they understood it literally. And it's interesting. Now, MacArthur does admit in his note on this uh, that people historically lifted their hands in prayer, stating, quote, the Old Testament saints frequently prayed, frequently prayed, lifting up their hands. He's right. <laughs> but Paul says to us in the New Testament, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Now, the earliest believers did this, the earliest Christian believers and so forth. They did it so much for the first 1,000, 1,300 years of church history. You know that? That the Jews in the synagogues stopped doing it. 
Because the Jews said, we don't want to do what all the Christians are doing. Ha, the Christians are doing it. Let's throw it out. Let's not do it. That's like, what's well, like, well, the, the charismaniacs are doing it. Let's not do it. That's what's being said to them. I'm like, no, God says do it and I'm going to do it. And as pastor of the fellowship and Steve as a co-pastor and other elders in the church, we all agree 100%, man. Steve, can I hear yes and amen? Amen. Lift our hands. Amen. That's right. Uh, in fact, I read one article online that says that raising our hands to the Lord, quote, is not a suggested practice in any instructive portion of the Bible. That is just a bold-faced lie. <laughs> you know? Is he not reading 1 Timothy 2.8? Is he not reading all these other passages? John MacArthur spiritualizes the verse into oblivion, saying Paul is not emphasizing a specific posture necessary for prayer. Hands symbolize, symbolize the activities of life. Thus, holy hands represent a holy life. This basis of effective prayer is a righteous life. Wow. So it's almost like what they do with 1 Timothy 2.4, that God doesn't will that, all, any, that God wills that all be saved, but it really doesn't mean he wants all to be saved. It really means he doesn't want all to be saved. What? And then you get to this one. It really doesn't mean lift your hands. It just means live a holy life. No Jewish believer would think that, Okay. And if he did, he'd be an equal heir to Mr. MacArthur there. Now, we had a question some time ago, and I was astonished as well, about anointing, oil, anointing people with oil. Because in James 5, it says, you know, let's say you're like debilitated, you're sick, you're, you're wiped out, your context is persecution there. But I believe it could apply to you, you're just wiped out, you need prayer, you got cancer or some horrible thing, you know. You could go to the elders of the church, and they could pray for you. Amen? And it says they're to anoint you with oil. Amen? But I read in a note, John MacArthur's study Bible, I believe it is, perhaps it is better to understand the anointing in a metaphorical sense of the elders, encouraging, comforting, and strengthening the believer. I mean, don't you really use oil? It can't really mean that, maybe. But did you know in the first century they used oil? They took that literally? How do you think the apostles took it? In Mark 6.13, it speaks of the apostles. It says, they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick pe people and healing them. Do you think when it says they were anointing many sick people with oil, they were really kind of encouraging them, hope you get better? Think that, that's what that means? It doesn't, guys. I'm sorry. And this is what happens. And I always warn, warn you, watch out. You don't swing the pendulum too far one way or another. Right? You, get, you swing the pendulum like, oh, you know what? God only wants to save a few people. You swing it all the other way. Oh, God's going to save everybody. Universalism, everybody can be saved in the end. That's, that's false teaching, just like the other one where he only really wants to save a few people. And it's just like, then there's those who are, are so much into tongues and stuff that that becomes the main thing they focus on at church. Do you speak in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? Hey, you speak in tongues? And all of a sudden people are like, and it's like, the, it should be called the church of tongues or something like that, because that's all the emphasis. But then there's others who say, oh, nope, tongues, you, uh, no tongues in this church. And, no, and the Bible says, let all things be done decent in order. The Bible says, do not forbid speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14. So what we, we do is we're, we are, you know, we're not cessationist or sensationalist with regard to the gifts. 
Cessationists are those who say, oh, prophecy's done away with, you know, tongues, you know, discernment of spirits, and, you know, the, a lot of these, you know, gifts are gone. Well, there's no, not, no, it's like not one, as one theologian said, there's not one syllable in the Bible that uh, states that the gifts of the spirit are gone. But then there's sensationalism where people just emphasize the gifts and they get away from sound teaching and, and, and what the scriptures teach and, and how things need to be tested, amen? And things need to be uh, followed. We need to, the Holy Spirit inspired the scripture, by the way. And what's weird is some people that say, oh, we're a spirit-filled fellowship, but they don't even want to read what the spirit says in the scripture, what God's word says, inspired by the Holy Spirit about the gifts of the spirit. In fact, some people that emphasize the gifts of the spirit more than any, anyone know less about what the Bible says about it and are so out of order, it's, belies, it's, you know, it's incredulous, actually. It's mind-blowing. So, so I thought, wow, there's some strange, because there is, are a lot of strange things and a lot of excess in the, in the charismania out there. New Apostolic Reformation and, you know, just people going wild. It's all out there, man. But the, what you do is you don't go to the other extreme. In fact, uh, John MacArthur writes that music is never used in the Bible to, uh, as evangelistic. It should never really be used to try to win people to Christ. In fact, he says, and I quote, the songs of the redeemed never in scripture are said to be for any direct evangelistic purpose. Really? How about Psalm 40 when the psalmist talks about, I waited, right? And the Lord took me out of the miry pit and put my feet, right, on the rock. And then he put a new song in my mouth, right, that the heathen would hear it and be converted. Okay, so what, what's happening here is we can get involved in traditions. And all of a sudden, before you know it, well, music can never be used to, to be a witness for Jesus, the non-believer. Really? My Bible only tells me that, you know, people can prophesy and they can sing, right? And that the uh, Bible talks about if someone can prophesy and somebody fall on their face and say, he knows that God is in them for sure because they, was convict, they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Well, God could do that through song too can't put God in a box. Now, if you can show me a scripture that says music can never be used for evangelism, I'll say, okay, you're right, bro. Wow, there it is. You can't. But don't just be making things up that oil really isn't literal. Raising your hands isn't literal. Songs aren't evangelistic. And, the, you know, tongues aren't for today anymore and these kinds of things. So we have to watch both extremes. Now, there could be another extreme too, though, where you could become a distraction, you know, to where, you know, somebody gets up and they just start going around the church and they, you know, and it becomes look at me and, you know, and so forth. You don't want to be a distraction either, but lifting your hands and praise and worship, that's not a distraction. If it's something that you know you're able to do and it's something that God commands us to do and you do that in worship, that's beautiful. When I, when I see a bunch of people, when I walk in, I see people worshiping the Lord, it just melts my heart. Praise God, it shows me a lot of people just want to surrender to the Lord. Now, Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Wow. And it's not just for the Jews, by the way. Because Paul is writing to convert the Gentiles, right? The gospel's for everyone, 1 Timothy 2. And then as Paul tells Timothy, what I've taught you, you teach other good men that they may teach others. So the gospel spread. In fact, Psalm 68.13 says, Noble shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God, right? Beyond the Jews, people from the other nations are going to stretch out their hands to God. That is 
prophetic. In fact, it's interesting, that word yada, right, and toda, I said it's so many places in scripture that's not normally translated there. Uh, uh, according, to the, according to the blue letter Bible, states of yada, that yada is a primitive root used only as a denominative from literally to use, to hold out the hand physically, to throw, like say a stone or arrow, at or away, but especially to revere or worship with extended hands. Now, isn't that interesting? That's how it's especially used. So the, the context will determine its usage. So is it being used in the context of worship? And then it has to do with the extending of the hands. And I thought it was phenomenal because I started looking at the verses that use yada, where it's not normally translated, lift your hands. Psalm 22, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 22:50. Therefore I will give thanks, yada, right? Uh, which would be give thanks by lifting the hands unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will sing praises unto thy name. By the way, that's praises. And by the way, to say that hands are just for prayer lifting, if you're going to let people do it at all, is so ridiculous because David, who's singing psalms and writing psalms, the harp and musical instruments throughout so much of the psalms, is saying, lift his, he's talking about lifting his hands while he's praising God. Amen? Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 17 says, It even came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were at one uh, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And thanking is from Yada. So they translate thanking, but it means lifting the hands because it has to do with thanking. It's not, I'm not saying it's a bad translation, but I, I wish they'd kind of expand that. Perhaps lifting their hands with thanksgiving might be a good translation there. Uh, one translation has it, and it was, uh, and as uh, they blew on the trumpets and sang, they were attentively heard as one boasting in and raising their hands to Yahweh or Jehovah. Second Chronicles 20, 21 speaks of praise or yada the Lord for his mercy endureth forever at the end of the psalm there. Wow. Ezra 3.11, okay? Ezra 3.11. And they answered in boasting in and raising their hands in Yahweh or Jehovah because he is good. Nehemiah 12.46. For the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the, sing there were chief of the sinners in the songs of praise and thanksgiving or yada, the lifting of hands unto God. Nehemiah chapter 12 verse 46. Psalm chapter 7 verse 17. I will raise my hands, yada, or be give thanks or have thanksgiving, right? It's talking about to the Lord, playing instruments. Uh, and I will sing and play instruments to the name of Yahweh or Jehovah most high. So over and over again, you see yada with playing instruments and giving praise to God. Lifting hands is, is with music over and over and over again. Don't let anybody fool you. You know what? I, it's my personal strong conviction. God wants us to surrender to him, lift our hands and praise and worship, and Satan hates it. Okay? Amen. Satan wants to worship himself. The last thing he wants to see is people truly and sincerely worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Psalm seven seventeen. I will praise, yada, the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to his name, the Lord Most High. And that's how that's translated in one translation. I'll raise my hands to Jehovah for his righteousness, and I will sing it with plain instruments and so forth. Psalm 1889, therefore I will give thanks or yada unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. Lift hands. 
Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am help. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise or yada him, lift up my hands to him, which is praise, but it's lifting hands as well. Just amazing to me. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks or yada in the, at the remembrance of his holiness. Psalm 30, verse 12, to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O my Lord, my God, I will give thanks, yada, unto thee forever. He's going to lift his hands forever. It's going to be something that's going to go on in heaven, guys. You know? Praise the Lord. John MacArthur is lifting his hands in praise and worship. Awesome. Psalm 33, 2. Praise Yada, lift your hands to the Lord. The harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and the instrument of ten strings. We're commanded to lift our hands while we praise God. Not that you have to do that every time. Just like you don't have to kneel every time. But since it's commanded, I think it's something that we should, should be more regular in our worship. Psalm 57, 9, I will praise or lift my hands, Yada, thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Don't tell me. Lifting hands is just prayer and not praise. And by the way, don't tell me praise is not a form of prayer either. Psalm uh, 71, 71 verse 22, I will also praise Yada thee with the psaltery, even thy truth and so forth. And he goes on, I'll sing uh, with the harp and oh, oh, thou holy one of Israel. Psalm 92, one, it is a good thing to give thanks, Yada, unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O most high. Psalm 138, one, a Psalm of David, right? I will praise or yada, lift up my hands to thee with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praise unto thee. Wow. Psalm 118, verse 28. Thou art my God, and I will praise or yada thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Wow. Man, Isaiah 25, 1. O Lord, thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. I will praise Yah to thee. I will lift my hands to thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thou, thy counsels are, of old are faithful and true. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing, that's confessing right there. It's kind of interesting. It's from the word yada. As I was praying, right? As I was speaking and praying and confessing. So lifting your hands to the Lord is something you can do when you're confessing your sins. Uh, when I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the, thy holy mountain of my God. Wow. These are lots of examples. You know what I've been doing? I've been using examples about lifting your hands throughout the scripture from scriptures that you would never think pertain to lifting your hands. Why? Because I'm showing you it's all over the place. So if you're reading through the Old Testament, you would see it over and over and over again. In fact, in Nehemiah 12, 27, uh, it seeks of uh, celebration and dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, yada, with hymns of hand raising, and with songs uh, to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The Heritage Bible. The Heritage Bible translates Nehemiah 12, 27 this way. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their uh, places to bring them to Jerusalem to make the dedication with gladness and with raising of their hands and with singing, with cymbals, lyres, and with harps. So that actually brings out, some of the translations will bring that out and actually translate it raising the hands. I would that all of them would do that more. 
Because then we'd have all the churches not disagreeing over things that we shouldn't be disagreeing about. But then again, when there's a bunch of other scriptures that, aren't tra- that are translated that way, there shouldn't be disagreement on this issue. <sighs> Psalm 95.2, let us come before the, his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And the thanksgiving there is from Toda, not Yada. There's a Toda one. There's some Todas throughout as well. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter in his gates with, you know this one? Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Well, actually, it's enter into his gates with raising your hands, his course with praise. Raise your hands to him. Bless his name. That's a very familiar one, isn't it? But did you know in the literal Hebrew, it's saying enter his gates with raising your hands? Are you with me tonight? In fact, next time you sing that song, enter his gates with thanks. Just change the words if you want. Or just lift, yep, oh, it's a reminder. I mean, he's already saying, raise my hands. And I love it that it's translated thanksgiving too, because guess what? It's showing you that thanks, one of the main reasons you raise your hands to the Lord is give him thanks, amen? Amen? Psalm 147, verse seven, sing the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre. Thanksgiving there is todah. Okay, remember we did the, this is, a, this is the other Hebrew word. So I'm bringing that one out as well. And there's, there's some of them as well. So what are some reasons now? Have I pretty much proven that point? You guys agree? Because we can do more of those. I just don't like to let people come up for air until they just, okay, I give it, it says that. I'll, okay, I'll lift my hands. Praise God. That's the way I fight. Fight the good fight, man. There's reasons, good reasons to lift your hands and worship. One is just simply out of obedience to the Lord. He's your creator. He's the one that made you guys. And should you listen to popular culture, weird church traditions that are unbiblical, or should you listen to the word of the Lord? Obviously the Lord, amen. We're commanded to lift our hands. Psalm 134 verse three says, lift up your hands, to the holy place and bless the Lord. Wow. We lift our hands to not only be obedient, but to be a blessing to the Lord. We raise them to bless the Lord. In fact, we know, you know Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 50, says that Jesus lifted his hands over his disciples to bless them just before he ascended. That's Luke chapter 24, verse 50. You know, God says uh, in, well, let me give you an example. We bless the Lord with our hands. We always say, oh, God bless me, or God bless America, God bless you. What about blessing God? You know how many times the psalmist says, oh, my soul, bless the Lord? A big problem that America has is we want God to bless us, but we don't want to bless him. We want to do our own thing, man, live for ourselves. We think it's going to turn out all right. Our nation's in huge trouble because our nation refused, refuses to repent. 9-11 just passed. Horrifying thing that happened there. Heartbreaking. Just heart-wrenching. So many people lost loved ones. But you know what? People started going to church and people started talking about God a little bit more. But guess what, man? This nation did not repent. Couple weeks go by and everybody goes things most people went back to what they were doing before. You know, sexual perversion, drugs, violence, 
theft, murders, drunkenness. But you know what? We raise our hands and we bless the Lord. David sang in Psalm 134, 1 through 3, Come, bless the Lord, all you these servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 4 says, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. We also lift up our hands when you're praying to seek the Lord. We're called to seek him with all our hearts, amen? Well, one way you seek him is by lifting up your hands. Psalm chapter 77 verse 2 says, uh, In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. It says all the people answered amen and amen while lifting up their hands. Deuteronomy 32 20 says, Indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. Psalm 134.2 says, lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. We also lift up our hands to receive blessings from the Lord. In prayer, supplication, Psalm 828.2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward you in your holy sanctuary. Wow. We lift up our hands to plead to the Lord, to plead to him. He actually lifts his hands toward his wayward people to plead to them. In Isaiah 61, we read, 65, verse 1, we read that we see God pleading for his people to repent of their wickedness with outstretched arms. Quote, I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. But you know what? We plead with God in prayer with our hands outstretched, as we're seeing in many of the Psalms I'm reading. We lift our hands to glorify our Father in prayer, to lift up his holy name and exalt him and honor him. Amen. We give him praise and worship as we exalt him and glorify his name. Psalm 63 verse 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. Prayer, praise, worship, it, it all goes together, you know. And some people think when they come into church, there's actually a Bible command that says, sit on your hands. You know, it's just sit on your hands and, and don't use them at all. That's not biblical. I mean, yet to find that verse. Yet you would think most Americans have read a verse like that, you know, rather than reading their actual Bibles. So it's very important that we lift our hands to the Lord, you know. And you know what? How many of you, before you're a Christian, you would go to raucous, you know, secular rock concerts? Or how many of you have seen them? If you hadn't go to them, what's everybody doing? Lifting their hands, swaying, lift, their lighters lit, and every just they're like, and they're worshiping the band. We lift our hands not to, to worship the band. We praise God for our worship leaders and so forth. But we look past the band, amen. We look to the Lord and we lift our hands up to Him and give Him the glory, Him the honor, Him all the praise, amen. Hallelujah. That's what He's called us to. It's so important that we do that. We lift up our hands in intercessory prayer. We're interceding for people. Or somebody is in a tight situation or someone's going through something or there's some kind of bondage they're in or, or somebody's super sick and they're on the edge of death and you're interceding for them and you can lift up your hands in intercession for them. In Lamentations 2.19, Jeremiah, uh, we read, uh, uh, Arise, cry aloud in the night. 
At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger uh, at the head of every street. You have children that are in jeopardy. You have kids in jeopardy. You have friends in jeopardy. You have people that are, are going wayward and down that broad road to destruction. Lift up your hands and cry out to God and plead with him, amen, in intercession, amen. We lift up our hands and sacrifice. Pray, uh, Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? Because they would have sacrifices different times during the day. And they'd have an evening sacrifice. And by the way, the two main sacrifices they had throughout the week, one was the very time Jesus was nailed to the cross and the next one was right when he was taken off the cross. Isn't that interesting? All picture Christ. But he says, may the lifting of my hands be like that evening sacrifice to you, Lord. Meaning something that blesses your heart. That's acceptable to you. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders uh, his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. And by the way, there's todah there again, lifting the hands. Okay. Uh, it could be translated Psalm 50, 23. He who sacrifices by raising his hands gives heavy glory to me. I like that translation. He who sacrifices by raising his hands gives heavy glory to me. Man, I love that. You want to give God heavy glory in your worship? Lift up your hands as a sacrifice. Are you with me? Jonathan, you're right on cue. I went like this and he just, oh, it said 15 minutes though. Okay. Praise the Lord though. You got two birds, one stone, Jonathan. Surrender. We surrender. What happens when somebody, what, what, you know, the old days at least, what are the, what are the, stick them up, right? You're surrendering, right? And I look at worship in so many ways. I'm sacrificing the Lord. I'm giving him heavy glory. I'm giving him praise. I'm interceding. I'm seeking his face. I'm doing all these different things. But you know what we're also doing? We're surrendering. I surrender all. Amen. I love that song. I surrender all. I surrender our hearts to the Lord. Lamentation 341 says, let us lift up our hands. Uh, let, let, I'm sorry. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. I like that because it's like a picture of surrendering everything to him. Psalm 119 verse 48 says, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes, meaning I'm going to lift my hands and surrender to your word and obey your commandments, Lord. What does someone do when they're drowning? Or in quicksand, lift up their hands. That's a good time to lift up your hands when you're in a desperate situation. Lord, save me. Amen. Lord, save me. Crying out loud for mercy to you, O Lord, I will, I will call. My rock, uh, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry out for your help, when I lift up my hands toward the most holy sanctuary. That's Psalm 28.1. That's a song of desperation. I love that, man. Wow, there's all over the place. For victory and spiritual warfare... Now, he wants us to lift up holy hands in prayer. There's all kinds of spiritual warfare going on for the souls of your family members, your friends, your own souls, right? Then he wants you got to put on the full armor of God so you can stand fast in the evil day, amen? I love what the Lord said to Moses, right, and to Joshua. When you look at Ai and you look at the Amalekites and you look at those battles, they were called to lift up their hands, Right? 
and with a staff and so forth. But it's a neat picture. In Exodus 17, 11, this is very instructive. It says, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. And I believe we're in a war between the flesh and the spirit. I believe when we sincerely lift our hands to the Lord, and we deny the flesh and what our flesh wants to do, and we say, Lord, your will be done, we gain spiritual victories. Now, how that exactly works in the spiritual realm, uh, do you always have to lift up your hands to have victory in something like that? I'm not saying that. But the Bible does say this, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, right? Draw near to God and it says, submit to God. Do a 180. It's like a military term. Do a 180. Be a attention fully to God and obey him. Amen. And resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So when you're lifting your hands like we're talking about and you're surrendering to the Lord and seeking him. Amen. Guess who's got to flee? The enemy's going to flee eventually, right? And you're going to be drawn near to God. He's going to draw near to you. We lift up our hands to celebrate our victory and our salvation. Amen. I mean, you cannot watch. I like saw a, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of college football game, and I was like, man, it was just loud, and a team scored, and, and just it was just all this excitement. All the hands were lifted. They're like, ah, celebrating. I'm like, wow, man, if we could get that excited about somebody get that excited about throwing a piece of pigskin into the end zone, <laughs> we should get way more excited about God who made us created the galaxies, the entire universe, and then died to save us and rose again and conquered the enemy, right? And it's preparing a place for us to live with him forever, amen? We should never be bashful about raising our hands to the Lord. I was at uh, one of my grandkids' uh, football games a week or two ago, two weeks ago, I think it was, or last, I think it was last Saturday. And yeah, it was last Saturday. And a little justice, you know, the last play of the game, he ran in and he got a sack. He sacked the quarterback. And he was so excited, you know, because he'd been trying to get an all-game, and he finally gets in there, and he's doing, making some plays, but he actually got a sack. And it was, time expired. They won. He runs, he's running the sidelines, and I see Chad over there, you know. And uh, Chad's like, yeah! You know, like his hands were like raised. He's all excited. And he was trying to get Jess's attention, so Jess would see that he saw. Yeah, good job, buddy. But he raised his hands in victory. When we raise our hands, we're, we raise our hands in victory because the Lord's got the victory, Amen. And we're, when we are beneficiaries of the victory that he's given us, amen? So we celebrate the victory uh, that he has given us. And when you go to these large concerts and sporting events, man, people lift their hands and they jump for joy and they get all excited. And how much more should we be excited in worshiping the Lord, amen? And giving him praise and giving him glory and him understand and him praise, man. I love that song. You know, uh, you know when Jesus rode in the triumphal entry? Remember that? Amen. When Jesus rode in the triumphal, tri triumphal entry, do you remember what they were doing? Do you remember what they were saying? Hosanna, you know? Hosanna, Hosanna. There's just worshiping him. And you remember what the Pharisees said? Remember what they said? Make them shut up. I mean, they must actually really believe he has miraculous power because you had a ton of people saying it. And they knew he could do it. And, but he said something interesting. He said, and I, I have more to share, but I want to get done on time today and get you out of here on time. I have a lot more I want to say on this, but I'm going to do more next week on the second part of that without wrath and dissension and talk about the things that hinder our prayer lives 
and how we can have successful prayer lives and see the Lord work more in our prayer life and, and receive more glory from us and, and, and be more of a blessing to him and his kingdom, amen. But I want to say this. They, they said, you know, to him, shut the people up, basically. And Jesus said, no. He said, he said if they don't cry out, he said, what will cry out? The rocks will cry out. Amen. And I love that song we sing from time to time. There ain't no rock gonna what? Cry in my place. Amen. There ain't no tree is gonna lift its what? Branches. Amen. In other words, I'm not gonna not praise him and have a rock cry out when I've been the one that redeemed. The rock hasn't been redeemed. I should be the one praising him. Amen. Right? There ain't no bird who's going to sing in my place. Hazam was alive. I'm going to praise his holy name. I love that song. It moves. It's got a lot of soul and feeling to it. I mean, I love this praising God song. But then I love that part. Ain't no tree going to lift its branches. And then all of a sudden you'll see people maybe that have never done that before. And they go, ain't no tree. And all of a sudden before you know, they're like, Whoa. And they'd realize, wow, that feels good. And they're praising God next week. They're not even singing that song. They're like, praise the Lord. Don't be hindered in your worship of the Lord, man. Get excited about lifting your hands. Is lifting your hands biblical? Amen. It's way biblical, amen? amen? It can really radically affect your life. I'll tell you what, on a practical level too, why I love to lift my hands in prayer, my mind doesn't wander. How many of you, when you pray sometimes, like, man, I do this sometimes. I'll be praying to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. And also, I'm like, I gotta get this done. And I'm just praying. It's like, you know, it's like, wait, where was I? I can't believe I, halfway through the prayer, I'm thinking about I gotta do something or whatever. And I get back on the prayer and then I'm praying that prayer. And then I'm back on track. But guess what happens when my hands are lifted? Praying that prayer is if my thought ever gets off, my hands start going down. It's just normal. It's just, well, Lord, you know, forgive me. I mean, how often you want people talking, they just kind of doze off when they're talking to you. It's like, am I that boring, really? You know? You don't want to do that to the Lord. The Lord's like, really, I made you? I sent my son to die for you? And you're like thinking of tacos, you know? Or when you're having a discussion with me, you know, and you're pleading for whatever, you know? So it's important that we recognize how important our prayer life is. And it really is just a beautiful part of our prayer life is to just lift up our hands to him and seek him and praise him. In fact, you know what, Gerald, if you can, do you know, have you ever done that song, There Ain't No Rock? Could you learn that, bro? Okay, praise God. I know Tony looks, watches by live stream when he, he can't be here every night. So Tony, you guys can, you can teach that to him. It'd be awesome. It's a great song. But how many of you are like, after you've heard all that, you're like, Joe, it doesn't matter what you say. It's not biblical. No one's saying that, right? No one's saying that. I think even John MacArthur was here, we'd admit, he'd go, yeah, you're right, Joe. Okay. In fact, you know what? Forgive me. Anoint me with oil, you know. And uh, let's sing some songs. We lift our hands together and, you know. And uh, no, I don't know. Lord, bless those and help those who don't see it yet. And those that go too far and get in all kinds of weirdness, bring them back to the center. Amen. And the center is right, right down the straight and narrow where God's word is at. Amen. Amen. So can we all please stand? And we're going to have a closing prayer. We have about five minutes left, but let's take a couple minutes out. We'll actually be done a couple minutes early, believe it or not. And let's uh, just pray for a couple minutes. But can you just join hands with somebody? 
And you don't have to lift them all the way up here. Just lift them up a little bit at least, right? Can we all lift our hands together? If you don't mind. Unless you've got like a rotator cuff problem like I do, you know? I'm still